Weekly podcast with Joe and Charlie. How you doing, Chaz? I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. A bit tired today. Had my COVID vaccine yesterday, so I'm just feeling a little bit rough, but um, very eager to do this podcast today. Ben, welcome back. We missed you last week. How are you doing? Yes, I'm great, thanks. I'm very excited for this week. It's going to be a good one. Good, good. Um, as always, do be sure to follow our socials for updates uh, and news. Hit that notification bell. Drop us a like or a follow. We appreciate the support. Our podcast last week actually was our most streamed episode to date. It was a big jump in numbers. Yeah, yeah, big jump in numbers. So thank you to each and every one of you uh, for giving that a listen. If you haven't, go check it out on our channels. But um, yeah, I mean, let's get to it. If you have been following along on our socials this week, you'll know that we're going to be talking about the long-awaited director's cut, if you can call it a director's cut, of uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. But before we get into that, Ben, it's been two weeks since we caught up. Have you managed to squeeze any notable viewings into your evenings? More of that witch's show. <laughs> That's finished now. That's finished. Um, sad noises. Um, can't wait for season uh, three of that. That's going to be epic. I thought you might um, have been rewatching it all. <laughs> maybe when the next, maybe when the next season comes out. Uh, no, uh, so in the last two weeks, um, I've watched a couple of Netflix shows, a um, couple of classic tween dramas and, you know, all that good stuff. Um, but notably, uh, the film I watched this week uh, was Jexy uh, 2019, um, which has got uh, Adam Devine, the, uh, who you'll probably know from Pitch Perfect. Uh, he's the guy that gets with Rebel Wilson, like the kind of plays himself in every film kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's, uh, about, uh, he gets a new phone, uh, which has this defunct, like this, uh, bugged AI that takes over his life and falls in love with him. Um, yeah, it was pretty weird. Um, very funny, very, very funny. Um, and yeah, just a nice film to watch. Uh, it's on nice. Netflix. Uh, oh no, it was, yeah, it's on Netflix. So, um, give it a go. Nice one. Nice. Charles, what have you been watching this week? Uh, I watched Little Miss Sunshine. Which mm -hmm. has been recommended to me for years, and it's. Have you seen Fundamentals of Caring? You probably. No, I haven't. I've heard of it though. It's a bit like that. This family go on a road trip to. I know in Fundamentals of Caring he's ill, but in this one they want their daughter to compete in a beauty pageant, and it's about they're a bit of a like dysfunctional family, and it's pretty funny. It's got Steve Carell in it. I uh, I wasn't all a hype. Didn't really. I didn't didn't really live up to it for me, but it was. It's very nice. It's on Amazon if you want to give it a watch. I feel like there's going to be a lot of that today, like building up the hype to nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <For you>. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Joe? What have you been watching? I kind of went on a bit of a Star Trek binge. Uh, I was pretty bored one afternoon and uh, I, I saw that Star Trek Into Darkness was, was on Amazon Prime. I haven't seen it since it was released. And yeah, I mean, it was all right. Um, I think I have the same opinion now as I did when it came out. Benedict Cumberbatch was. You know, this was when everyone thought he was the perfect villain for every movie ever. Uh, and yeah, he, you know, he Benedict Cumberbatch is doing Cumberbatch things in, in the movie, you know, uh, very deep gravelly voice and staring intently. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's good fun. I think those films in general, the, the new Star Trek trilogy, there's nothing wrong with them, really. I think they're pretty good. Um, I did actually manage to catch Raya and The Last Dragon. 
which is a Disney Plus original. Was supposed to hit cinemas, but um, it's the latest Disney animation. Uh, it's pretty good. I think um, it it plays it very safe because it it's it takes a lot of inspiration from a lot of cultures uh, from like throughout history and across the world. But because it's set in this completely different realm, like it's not Earth, they can get away with it um, being quite stylized so you know like the buildings are clearly like very cambodian and and raya you know dresses like uh you know like uh like almost like mulan uh, right. but then you know there's there's a lot of central american kind of inspiration it's it's a good it's a very good very safe disney flick there's nothing special about it but yeah it's uh if you've got kids it's a great one to stick on i think they love it it teaches you about trust and, and friendship all that good stuff but yeah it's good check it out on disney plus if you can yeah, so obviously we're talking about Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um, before I ask you guys what you think about it, I think the biggest question I always get from people who I talk to about the film is, you know, what is the Snyder Cut? And how is it any different from what we saw back in uh, November 2017? Um, do you guys want to know the story, like how, how, how the film got to where, where it got? Sure, give us, give us a little update on that. Yeah, um, well, obviously uh, it's the third film in Zack Snyder's DC, uh, I suppose his his it's been dubbed the Snyderverse. Of course, it has because very self indulgent <laughs> title there. But um, I, I'm I've, I'm going to try and make this uh, story as short as I can. But it is sort of five years of behind the scenes stuff. But um, essentially, shortly after the success of Man of Steel, uh, Chris Terrio was hired to write rewrite Justice League. He'd also rewrote Batman versus Superman to sort of align with Warner Brothers' plans to have this big, large, shared universe to compete with Disney and Marvel. Um, they announced loads of spin-offs like Wonder Woman, Aquaman, all of that. Uh, Zack Snyder had the director's chair for all three films, but you can sort of tell over the three films that his vision began to slip through his fingers. Um, Christopher Nolan actually supported Zack uh, as producer for the first film, and then he was executive producer for dawn of justice but um yeah unfortunately even nolan couldn't really hold back the warner brothers execs by the time the third film came around so um sort of throughout late 2016 early 2017 Zack snyder began to have all the foundations of his direction really dismantled so his cinematographer larry fon was replaced and then the two big names which i'm probably going to be mentioning a lot is jeff johns and john berg who were directly from the board of Warner Brothers itself. They stepped in as producers um, and sort of booting Nolan out of the picture. But anyway, uh, Jeff Johns served as the um, chief creative officer for DC from 2010 until 2018. He's got a really great history of uh, a great career of writing comics for both DC and Marvel. And he also produced that god-awful Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern film in 2011. <laughs> right. Um, I don't think we need to be reminded of that. Uh, and I think, you know, just seeing his name attached to anything it meant that Justice League had a really troubled production. Um, you know, it was reported that the rewrites that Jeff Johns um, did, they caused a lot of issues with Chris Terrio and Warner Brothers. And Warner Brothers was really unsatisfied how the film was shaping up because if you've seen Man of Steel and Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, it's, uh, they're quite, they're, they're, in my opinion, they're great films, but they, they receive quite a lot of negative reception, you know, um due to you know, very moody art. films aren't yeah they? they're very they're definitely not you know your your avengers films mm. at all you know um zach was forced to cut batman v superman by 30 minutes in order for it to get a pg-13 or 12 rating 
Um, yeah, and, and that just caused massive plot holes and pacing issues. So thankfully, if you want to check out his full vision, you can check out the Ultimate Edition, which clocks in at three hours, and it largely fixes the film, but it does bump it up to an R-rated 15+. plus. Um, but yeah, essentially, uh, the CEO of Warner Brothers demanded that Justice League be under two hours, uh, and that Joss Whedon would step in as director, pretty much firing Zack. Um, so it was, you know... There's quite a lot of bullying going on. It, it coincided with uh, a personal tragedy for Zack Snyder because he lost his daughter to suicide. Um, it's not confirmed whether he was fired or not, but it's not hard to imagine how you know all these strings were pulled for his immediate replacement. Um, so he stepped down from directorial duties, and uh, in July 2017, the film went through two months of really rigorous reshoots in London and LA with Warner Brothers putting like $25 million into them which is, it's a lot. It bumped up the budget for the film to $300 million. Um, and then the result that we got was uh, Justice League. November 2017, it had a two-hour runtime, really bad cinematography, noticeable reshoots with really glaring continuity errors. Like, the characters are wearing the same outfits, but you can tell that they've been remade. Um, there's, you know, really bad CGI, the infamous Superman CGI'd face, because at the time he was shooting Mission Impossible. So he had to have a mustache for that, and he, he his contract said he wasn't allowed to get rid of it. So if you watch the 2017 wow. cut, his lip does not move in human ways. <laughs> it's really weird. Um, and then, of course, Hans Zimmer's really, um, really popular soundtrack and all of his motifs that he established in Man of Steel and, and Dawn of Justice, they're completely gone. He was replaced by Danny Elfman, um, who incorporated... Really weirdly, uh, he, he brought... John Williams' classic uh, Superman theme and then Danny Elfman's own Batman theme from the 1980s. And it just it felt really disconnected um, to see Cavill's Superman to the theme of uh, the, the Superman from the 1970s and 80s. So, uh, and, and that was it, really. The, the, the film bombed, lost Warner Brothers $100 million. You know, um, you wrote that on the. On I know, the, yeah. <laughs> it's $100. Yeah. I was like, that's not a lot. Yeah. <laughs> In my notes here, I've got it lost Warner Brothers $100, <laughs> which I don't think is going to be a massive issue for them. Um, obviously, now we're talking about Zack Snyder's Justice League. The time between the original Justice League and this version, that's another equally long story. But the long and the short of it is uh, in 2018, Warner Brothers was acquired by ATT, it's a big American conglomerate. And they happen to also own HBO and obviously its related streaming services. Uh, thankfully, Jeff Johns was fired from DC in the merger. Uh, and it, you know, it's been revealed that he was quite a bully towards Zack and the cast and crew of Justice League. Ray Fisher, who plays Cyborg uh, in the film, he had his role pretty much completely cut from the original one. He's just there as like a supporting character, like this part member of the team who doesn't say a thing. Um, uh, and he confessed that his treatment on set by Jeff and, and Joss Whedon was really unacceptable. And now there's this massive investigation to Joss Whedon being like a misogynist and a bully because uh, people from like Buffy the Vampire Slayer have come forward slating him as well. So, uh, yeah, long story short, new management uh, and the memory of Whedon and John's like soon became a pretty distant memory. So online support for Snyder to release his version of the film began to stir. There was hashtag restore the Snyderverse or release the Snyder cut. Uh, trending on Twitter for years, and then uh, he then eventually did admit that his original cut existed. And in May 2020, they announced that HBO Max would be releasing the Snyder Cut. It's a brand new cut with updated CGI, restored cut characters, four-hour runtime, which we'll talk about, 
Uh, and then obviously Hans Zimmer's uh, motifs reinstated by um, the up and coming composer Junkie XL. Hans Zimmer couldn't come back himself because he was busy with uh, Dune. But um, yeah, Jun he's worked closely with Junkie XL, I think, on numerous occasions. Didn't, didn't he do the, the Dark Knight Brothers? And yeah, didn't they yeah. do? Um, they both did Batman v Superman, was it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think Hans Zimmer did, Hans Zimmer uh, did the first one, didn't he? Yeah, just by himself. Yeah. So. Um, of course, that's the kind of like the very basic story of to how we got to this film. But um, I just want to know what off the top of your head, what did you think of it? You know what? I quite enjoyed it. It was a. It was an interesting experience because I think glaringly four hours is going to. I think unless you were really hardened film watcher, four hours is, is quite a long time to sit still and be fully concentrating on it so i definitely en enjoyed it more than i thought i was going to like I, the story flows nicely um i think you know clearly with four hours with so much time to play with um you're you're able to get so much more story in um so a lot of the scenes flowed really really nicely into each other sometimes probably too slow i think we're quite used to having quite quick paced modern films um and this definitely went a little bit the other way and some of it was kind of very very step by step uh and and told you everything you needed to know rather than let you assume things which i think modern cinema tends to do a little bit more um, but it was nice really enjoyed it um there was definitely i suppose we'll probably talk about it a little bit more um but artistically i think the visuals of the film um it was very Zack Snyder. It had a bit of a almost like a sheen to it, that kind of a hyper realistic look. Um a sexy which, film. Yeah, sexy, like, you know, very very moody colours, very um you know, the kind of uh the, the gold, the lightning, the, the special effects kind of pop in and, and you really notice them and to be honest, I I I thoroughly enjoyed it. It it kind of it felt more like a superhero film than I would say most your Avengers films, because I think they try to make them really realistic. And I think this was just kind of going above and beyond that. So I really enjoyable. I, I enjoyed it. That's that's probably the bottom line. Mm. I'm sensing uh, Charlie's opinion. <laughs> I just didn't care. <laughs> I just really, yeah. really didn't care at all. Mm. I, it just bored me, really. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's because I haven't really invested in the previous films i just like the bad guy was so shit like I, like it just what was his point like he's like I, I get he was serving that other dude whatever his name was Dark but side. even even that guy was like he hasn't got the, the same motivations that thanos had and like yeah. thanos's motivations are really good like you can see why he's doing it like you sort of go oh yeah that makes sense like that if you weren't such a dick, I'd probably like support you. But oh, man, I don't know. And four hours. Was, yeah. Four I hours. Think, <laughs> I think I think that bad the the like the villain, I think it's very different from Thanos. Because Thanos was obviously trying to kind of solve the question of the universe, which was there's a finite amount of resources in space, so I'm gonna make sure that, you know, everybody can 
like at least everyone you know will have representation you know like whole races nobody can, nobody needs to go extinct or anything like that but the cost yeah, of it but... is i'm going to kill everyone like i'm going to kill half of everyone but you can sort happen. of see his reasoning behind that like it makes yeah, sense there's like a twisted yeah logic twisted, to it almost like he's trying to do good because he doesn't want what happened to him and he can't live with his own failure so he wants to like you know force that on everyone else yeah but exactly I think, I, th- I think with the dc and i mean obviously it Obviously, Green Lantern was. We everyone knows such a such a pretty awful film. I mean, despite it kind of being a bad film, I actually enjoyed Green Lantern mainly for the like the the story it was trying to tell and the universe it was trying to bring in. Because there's quite a few references, isn't there, throughout this Justice League film to the Green Lanterns. Yeah, and we even we actually even see some footage of like you know five thousand years ago when they we see a lantern. Fought. Yeah, exactly. There's a lantern, and he kind of gets his ass kicked, which is interesting but um you know it's there and there's 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 um you know when steppenwolf when the when the the main villain um kind of basically comes to earth and starts his you know invasion he's like you know he quite clearly says there's no lantern there is no protector of this planet and it's kind of like a glimpse you know he's obviously um Essentially, in the film, he's trying to gain redemption by conquering this planet um, because he's obviously been cast out by, you know, the guy he serves or whatever. And we see almost like this glimpse into the larger universe, which is this hundreds of thousands of worlds. Like um, one of the other servants of this Dark Lord, I can't remember the guy's name, the Dark One, isn't it? Yeah, he says, Dark Side. Yeah, Dark Side. You still owe Dark Side 50,000 worlds. So it's almost mm. like this, you know, and, and he uses the line multiverse. And, you know, so they've got loads of different universes, loads and loads of different worlds. And it's almost like this huge galactic event. And I think that's what, you know, Green Lantern tried and failed to give us. Um, so for me, when I was watching it and, and seeing that, yes, it kind of, in that film, it felt, he felt like quite a weak villain because I mean, he was totally OP basically until Superman showed up. Um, uh, I've got comments about Superman as well. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about Superman in a minute. Yeah, that's yeah. the whole thing. The, uh, my question that, that triggered from watching this and seeing all these references dropped in is if the previous. I would have loved to have seen this, you know, kind of cinematic universe if DC hadn't like totally dropped the ball with the early mm-hmm. film. If they'd been able to get the momentum and the funding and the popularity of the MCU, for example, I just think it would have, it would be an incredible storyline. And I think obviously, you know, the comics give us a lot of that. You know, that's the original source material. But it's almost like what could have been. And I kind of like that. Um, you know, it's kind of a bit um quite a lot of hope there and and you know you can let your imagination run away with it. So I, I kind of liked that, but I will give you I'll definitely give you your point. It was very quite a weak villain wasn't he um yeah there's just no motivations behind him in my eyes you should see the you should see the 20 the 2017 version that's even worse yeah oh it's horrendous and i think that for me that's the that's the bottom line you know i'm talking to you both about the film ben you've seen the 2017 version charlie you haven't no so i think that what I really enjoyed about watching this version is, and one of the reasons why I didn't mind the long runtime is that in the back of my mind, I always had this um, other level to my viewing experience, which was that I was comparing the two versions uh, instead of just going into the story. Because I, you know, I'd agree with you if you hadn't seen the 2017 version and if you hadn't followed uh, the behind the scenes news, and um, then yeah, I completely agree with you. Steppenwolf is 
in my opinion, quite an underdeveloped villain. Uh, and the film was really long um, and quite self-indulgent. But in defense of Zack Snyder and the film as a whole, I think the trap that everyone falls into is that because of the hyper success of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, everyone is just constantly in this state of comparison between the two franchises. And I think it's important to establish that Zack Snyder never wanted to do a cinematic universe. And he was pushed by Warner Brothers uh, to make it happen. You know, rewrites for Batman v Superman paved the way for Wonder Woman and um, the the Suicide Squad. And, and, and he didn't get to complete his vision. So his vision was this five-film epic with Superman as the main character and the Justice League as supporting characters. And then the fourth and fifth film were going to be more about Superman's redemption. Uh, and, you know, he was going to be, you know, I'm being a hypocrite here because I'm comparing to Marvel, but Superman was going to emerge then at the end of the fifth, fifth film in a similar way to how, you know, Captain America was in Endgame. And it was going to be, you know, just this epic, uh, like, chronicle over five films. But I, I think everyone falls into that trap and comparing it to Marvel. And I think if you look at the source material, DC is actually more heavily invested in fantasy elements than sci-fi. Yeah. Uh, and that's one aspect of the film that I really liked is, um, you know, you look at the Marvel side of things and they're very invested in sci-fi aspects. But watching that, uh, watching the Snyder Cut and, and seeing that flashback to, you know, 5,000 years ago, it kind of yeah. felt like the start of the Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this, this epic, you know, um, super bad guy and... There was this weird kind of fancy element about it, but you know the Earth has to be scorched in order to get this uh, equation, which it feels like this kind of hellscape, and we get to see that hellscape in in Bruce's nightmares. Um, so I really like that DC has always been more invested in fantasy, even though a lot of it is set in space. Um, and interestingly, Darkseid. There's a lot of argument that Stan, uh, sorry, uh, not Stanley, Jim Starlin actually got the idea for Thanos from Darkseid because Darkseid is Thanos' elder by about four years in, in, in publication history. Uh -huh. um, yeah, so Darkseid was first introduced in 1969 and Thanos yeah. showed up in an Iron Man comic in 1973. So, I think there was definitely some similarities as well. You know, they're both... Visually, they look quite similar. You know, they're like 20-foot-tall, exactly, yeah. yeah. bold. Like, ugly. Uh, got, <laughs> yeah. yeah, ugly as hell. Um, and And pretty much quite evil mm -hmm. um so yeah i can see that and i think yeah. that, you know dc and marvel they're quite they always have those kind of there's always you know at the end of the day they were two rival businesses aren't there so there's always like a yeah. comparison character that basically is their version of you know to try and get that fan that that readership which is always quite interesting isn't it yeah i agree and i think i agree with your um your point about zach sort of hinting at this really large world um that you know i really like that and again it, it it reminded me of something very tolkien-esque very lord of the rings in style because there's you know it it's a story about unlikely heroes in in a really really big world and snyder gives us glimpses of that every now and then um throughout flashbacks and stuff but yeah i think you know i, I agree with both of you mm. i think the definitely the the scene that really makes it um kind of almost talking like is when the amazons are like kind of charging it you know when it's like fetch the legions and then there's like yeah. <laughs> you know thousands of amazons charging down a hill it was very like almost like riders of rohan-esque you know into yeah. a battle scene and then yeah it was kind of like it was such an anticlimax because like steppenwolf is just like 
see you later. Mm. <laughs> when I when when I like started watching it, I, d- I was like dead confused about who was, especially in that scene, who was part of what like race sort of thing. And I was, mm. when I watching it, I was like, this is how people must think when they watch Lord of the Rings. Like, true, because we yeah. just we just know all the oh they're elves, they're men, they're dwarfs, or whatever. But if you don't know Lord of the Rings, you've not got a clue, have you? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like I was just thrown in. Like, I haven't not watched. It's my fault. I haven't watched the other films, but just like being thrown in and being like, oh yeah, these are this race you should know that anyway yeah there, there are some great att- um sorry uh attention to detail in in that flashback scene that five thousand year battle um if you look really closely you can see um oh what's his name he was in harry potter uh damien thwellis i think his name is uh he played hades in the wonder woman film uh, as the antagonist and if you look closely you can actually see um uh, he's like been CGI'd in as a younger oh, cool. Hades uh, in that battle, and then you also see Robin Wright as well, uh, very you know famous actress. She was in um, Forrest Gump as well. She played uh, Antiope in Wonder Woman as well, and you can just see her briefly. So you know, attention to detail. Zach is isn't afraid to just bring in a high profile actor for just something small mm. uh, because he knows that other creators and directors have huge investments in these characters he wants to i feel like he he's a good team player i think um yeah you know he's a, he's it opens a, it up doesn't it it's like it's yeah. a major role that you could at some point do a spin-off with quite easily mm-hmm. and if you already establish you know like a pretty well-known actress actor or actress it's kind of good yeah look but, i mean uh, like william defoe william defoe sorry in uh he shows up in atlantis for just yeah. a few minutes and he's he's huge uh, out of a four-hour film, he probably gets like two minutes of screen time, and that's it. Um, yeah. But yeah, anyway, Chaz, let's uh, let's talk about Superman because um, I've you know I've kind of explained to you that it was supposed to be this five-movie epic with Superman as the as the you know the, the main glue that holds it all together. But he was obviously very absent from the film, and uh, I just want to know your thoughts on his kind of character arc because I think you you were a fan of Man of Steel, were you not? I really liked Man of Steel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I think I've got. A- it's just as a Superman as a character. I mean, mm. I've got an issue. Is that no one's going to beat him? Like, unless you've got Kryptonite, you, like it's just God, isn't he? So, like, what? It's just yeah. No one's going to beat him. So it's just so overpowered. It's just elated with Batman. Like, there's a weakness there. Like, he can be beaten. I just feel like Superman's never going to be beaten. Mm-hmm. That's what like just irks me. Thought, yeah. Isn't- I quite liked though how the film, like I mean, obviously, I think you may have may have have to have watched Batman versus Superman, but the the whole thing is, you know, yes, he can't be beaten, but the question is, is he good or evil? And it's it's almost like his battle isn't really against anything else because nothing really can beat him. It's just against himself. You know, it's in his head. Will he be? good or bad and obviously you know batman's nightmares like the whole premise behind batman versus superman is batman gets these nightmares like oh my god superman's gonna enslave humanity and like kill us all Mm -hmm. so i need to try and take him down um and then obviously from that you know the kind of the whole thing blows up in their faces and they realize that essentially by trying to kill him he's going to trigger superman to just be like yeah screw it i'm not going to protect you guys anymore i'm going to like enslave you um and i think this film that the the main issue I had this with this film that the the one thing that really just was like completely not spoiled it, but I was just like really like did it did it need this was the epilogue 
and oh, yeah. yeah. The, yeah. the Joker bit, I was like, you are ramming this down our throats. So, exactly. Like, yeah. First of all, we got the Joker for some reason. Um, there was so much story. Like, it was like obviously it was a vision of the future, and it was a, it was a nightmare in Batman's dream, you know. But you know, all of a sudden, like Amber Heard's like you know, kind of like I want revenge for Arthur, like Aquaman. You know, why is? Hang on a second. <laughs> Where the hell's Aquaman gone? Mm-hmm. Um, and why is? As it turns out, why is Superman killed him? And then it's like. You know, there's it was just so like horrible. Like it was it was they'd already they'd done all this foreshadowing about this greater universe and, and like the future events and stuff. And then all of a sudden it was like poof. Nah. Yeah, this is I agree. this is like, you know, and even they kind of broke the f- fourth wall a little bit, didn't they? Joker was like, I wonder how many multiverses like you've messed up in, like like yada yada yada. And it was like well, I mean, in in defense of that, um, again, as I mentioned before, DC is much more heavily invested in its multiverse than Marvel is. Uh, and again, Marvel got the idea for a multiverse from DC back in the eighties. Um, so if you go on like the, like a DC Comics wiki, you'll actually find out you know that they're, they're so invested in the multiverse that they have a map that they print in most of their comics. Wow. Uh, of you know, like well, this comic is set in this main universe, and then they they even um aren't afraid to put labels on the films as well so like in the comic books you'll actually see that you know this comic book is set in this universe but um the uh, the tv shows flash and arrow and supergirl that are running at the moment they they're in this universe and then Zack snyder's universe is this one and um so they're much more i think they've got a, a tighter grip on their multiverse so i don't have an issue with that but then in the film why does the character need to be aware of that like we don't like theatrically i just want to enjoy this film in this universe yeah. give me another version of events in a couple of years in a different film i'm totally fine with that but it just felt so janky that the character was referencing it you know like yeah well i think um so the reason for that is in in the comics the characters are very uh emotionally aware when a timeline is broken um because they experience like bruce wayne is they experience these dreams and um so in that I think uh, I watched a breakdown of the ending of the epilogue and what it all meant. Uh, and in, in defense of the epilogue, I, I, I enjoyed the content. It was in completely the wrong place. Uh, I would have put it in the middle when Cyborg is trying to connect to the Kryptonian ship to bring Superman back. And he has that, he has that sort of minor flash forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they could have put it there. Um, or they could have just put it anywhere else. But at the end of the film, it just felt really, really uh, tagged on. Yeah, well, even in that scene with the Kryptonian, uh, in the Kryptonian ship, you know, the voice of the ship, like the AI behind the ship is like, it's, it's, you have to, I really had to listen to hear it, but it's right at the end as he touches the box. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, future, it, what was the line? It's the future like, is now set or yeah. something, or no, no, yeah. no, the future is changed or something, you know, something, yeah, oh, yeah, the timeline has changed. So, like, there's definitely a reference to the fact yeah. that in that film they're aware of their own timeline. And it's because um, Barry didn't touch the box in time, and um, had to yeah. like reverse it. Yeah. So uh, if you if you look closely, um, the box starts to reverse and come out of the water. Oh, I just thought that's because he was going that fast that he's bent time. And but yeah, it is. Yeah, but, but but also um, that that instance in which he doesn't reach the box on time that uh-huh. then carries on as its own universe in which it didn't work and they didn't bring Superman back and then. The reason for the nightmare timeline that Bruce keeps dreaming about is because, again, uh, Steppenwolf was successful in igniting the unity. 
and Barry had to run faster than the speed of light in order to supercharge Cyborg to, to you know turn it off. Yeah, so again, it within in in one film, we've then got two instances of Flash. You know, he's he's a great character, but he, he really messed up twice. Yeah. Um, and you know he wasn't quick enough, and uh, so those timelines are because of that. And Batman is aware of it, and Joker's aware of it, and um, yeah. But obviously, the interesting thing is that that's not even though those timelines had the potential to exist, he Flash still actually undid it, didn't he? So he corrected. So maybe you could like I thought it's kind of interesting to think about: is yeah. Batman getting visions of a different timeline, and is that actually messing? Like, I is think that he causing is. issues with the current one? You know. Yeah, I think I think that's exactly it because uh, uh, Andy Machete is going to be directing the upcoming Flash movie, um, and it's going to be based on a storyline from the comics called Flashpoint, in which Barry has to fix all the timelines he's created by running <laughs> quicker than the speed of light. Um, and what's actually pretty cool is uh, um, it's been confirmed that Ben Affleck will be in it as Batman, but also Michael Keaton from the 1980s will also be in it oh, cool. um, as Batman. Um, so Flash going is going to different ones. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's going to be going through different ones. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see the nightmare timeline in which Darkseid and Superman rule all um, in that film. But yeah, um, I think I would say again, I liked the epilogue. I think it should have gone somewhere in the middle. Uh, and I, th- I think the only gripe I have with it um, is that, and again, this is my feeling that Zach is a little self indulgent, and you know that this film was kind of like a. I can do it because, you know, I can. Um, was obviously, yeah, the Joker-Batman interaction. And he's admitted on interviews recently that, you know, that was complete fan service. He felt like the fans, because they petitioned for this film for so long, that they they deserved that classic interaction. And I just, I didn't need it no. at all. I'll, I'll be in, in fairness, though. The one thing I liked about that is it actually made me really like Jared Leto's, because it was Jared Leto, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really liked his Joker. It was a much more jokery Joker than the one we got in mm-hmm. Suicide Squad. And if that's the Joker that he, you know, it's quite well catalogued, isn't it? Like how the lengths he went to to make mm-hmm. that absolutely psychotic character. I mean, he he's a bit psychotic himself, really. But, you know, to make that character, he went to some crazy lengths. And it's kind of a shame that we didn't really get to see that in, you know, in the actual suicide squad and they replaced him kind of but yeah well that again was... that that's because of um again that's because of jeff johns he you know mm-hmm. he, he completely butchered david ayer's uh vision for you know david ayer and Zack snyder worked really closely uh to make sure that suicide squad really linked into justice league because uh, i think the original draft for the script for suicide squad was that at the end um i forget the character the witch that they fight in that film yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, was actually going to be working for Steppenwolf and that she wanted a mother box for him, mm. uh, which would have linked it in a bit more. And, and Joker obviously would have had more screen time. But yeah, no, I think he did a great job. He was a very comic book-esque Joker. He made some really great references to uh, Robin, if you were listening uh, closely. Uh, he said, uh, you know, why would you send a boy wonder to do a man's job? Uh, which is a big reference to the comics in which Joker killed Robin. Um, you can actually see Robin's costume graffitied in Batman v Superman as well. Um, sort of like a uh, shrine to him, you know, memorial to him. But yeah, that was it was a great interaction. Uh, and then <laughs> there's something about Batman saying the F word as well. Don't know how I feel about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, why don't we talk about the uh, like the film itself, you know, um, 
soundtrack and obviously big elephant in the room is the shape of the film the aspect ratio charlie i know you you weren't a fan of the square i don't mind that aspect ratio because i think we said last night um the lighthouse does it doesn't it Mm. but i think because the lighthouse is so stylized it fits and it's Mm -hmm. a bit more independent it's a bit more arty it works but for this film i it just really took me out of it yeah like i because this is a big blockbuster, I just feel it needs that usual cinematic ratio. Mm-hmm. And or if we're on about uh, looks of the film, yeah, it was shot well, but the color gray was all I saw really throughout the mm. whole thing. I, it was so gray. It may as well have been black and white. Literally, like yeah. I think it would have been better if it was black and white. I think they're going to do a black and white version. You know, I think that was in the that'd be that'd in the be pipeline. Good. Yeah. I, I think yeah. Did that work it, though with like the the superpower, like the the kind of godlike superpowers, like the lightning and the the, you know, all that fire stuff. You know, with like Flash and Wonder Woman. Like it's all grey anyway. So, yeah, but a lot <laughs> yeah. of their a lot of their like power is like you know the emotion of it and the the the, um, you know the kind of to show how much power they have. You get the the smashing of color like onto your face like straight away and the kind of like the low mm-hmm. contrast of everything else being like you know gray on gray you know like batman was like really gray and black and then superman was really gray and black and then <laughs> uh, you know everything like a lot of it was inside like there was loads of bits inside and then even when they did that huge you know assaulting seven wolves fortress like you know there's of course there was gray clouds and it was like in this really like you know typical image of a real typical image of like a Russian nuke town. It was like you know, yeah. grey. Mm. You know, there's no color, which in a way is nice. But to be honest, all I all I saw for that whole scene where there's like, you know, where they're you know they're attacking Steppenwolf's fortress was all I could think about was that X Men film. Um, is it X Men Wolverine where um we get the really really bad Deadpool? Um, oh yeah, X Men Origins. Wolverine. x-men origins yeah. where like and, and then especially when superman comes down with his laser eyes and because they're inside the cooling tower all i can mm-hmm. think of is just deadpool's face like just sitting yeah there it's kind of funny also i i uh i love a slow motion scene but i don't like the whole film being in slow motion mm-hmm. <laughs> like oh my god it works really well for flash yeah really I, was, well. I was just about to say like that obviously there's a reason for him for it to be filmed in slow motion when Flash does it, but yeah, and Wonder Woman as well, because obviously she's like she's quite quick. Yeah, like but literally all of it, nearly all of it, was filmed in slow motion, wasn't it? Mm. It's was just like stop, stop. <laughs> yeah, although that bit though with Superman, you know, when Superman like is at Flash's speed though, and he like looks at him. Oh yeah, that no, don't 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 get me wrong. There's bits where it works perfectly, but yeah, there's other scenes where like it could have been a two-hour film if it wasn't all in slow motion. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think uh i think three hours would have been a really nice sweet spot uh, yeah i think we could have got uh, well i mean if you take out the epilogue it's three and a half hours wow uh, was the epilogue that yeah, long? yeah it was really it was, it's, it's return of the king long man yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a long boy yeah um uh yeah speaking of the epilogue again to backtrack um yeah. the other foot it could also be a way to say i just really wanted to get this in because i was gonna get it yeah. in anyway in the fourth and fifth film but I, you know, I didn't. So maybe, you know, um, it's just kind of like yeah. a screw you. Like this is what you could have had, but you messed it up. <laughs> yeah, 
But I mean, largely, there were so many things in the film that worked. Uh, and again, Chaz, I would really encourage you if you got the time to go and watch the 2017 one. Right. Um, because you'll I think see... I'd appreciate this one more. For this yeah, one. I, I definitely think so. Um, you know, Cyborg was almost completely cut and just the whole, you know, the, the pacing and, oh, and yeah, everything yeah. was just awful. And And I feel, I think... Well, first of all, Zach didn't do this cut for any money. He didn't take any pay for it at all. And I think that's a testament to, you know, how far he's come to get his vision realized. Um, and, you know, pardon the pun, you know, it does feel like a lot of justice for him. Wee. And especially, yeah, wait. Uh, and especially for his daughter as well. You can see, you know, he dedicates it to her at the end of the film. Um, and so I think in that regard, you know, it's, there, there are not things that aren't right with the film that it's not perfect, but it feels so personal and like this epic, almost kind of um, road tour of all of Zack Snyder's best and most cliche uh, qualities as a director. You know, the you yeah. know it's overly stylized. There's so much slow motion. He loves Lennon Cohen too much, uh, and just wants you know Lennon Cohen songs in all of his films. And um, but. I think in this case, I don't mind it because it's such a personal project for him. He um, loves um, moments, doesn't he? He like builds yeah. his whole films around like set piece moments that he mm -hmm. knows how they're going to look. He takes it from the comics and they work, but he just can't. Yeah. I feel he can't get to that point well, and then yeah, like realize it fully and then go away from it nicely. He just has a moment that he wants in the film, and he works towards that moment. I think that's um, what makes him um, an imperfect director in terms of film and narrative, but what makes him a really good director for comic book adaptations is that, yeah, there's so much uh, slow motion in in the film, but to me that just feels like he's looked at a, a spread in a comic book and gone, that looks so cool, I just want that to be almost like a still image on the screen. Yeah. Uh, like a comic book, and, you know, we, most of his movies have been adaptations 300 yeah. watchmen man of steel like there is nothing very original in his filmography um but it looks but, nice <laughs> yeah it looks like it's, nice. it's the easiest way to put it I, I would say he's the most successful director for bringing a comic book to life for sure you know um maybe up there with like robert rodriguez who did things like uh sin city um, right but yeah, no, I, I I love his style as a, and I just have to remind myself if I do, if I am watching a Zack Snyder film and I have an issue with something that he's doing, I've just got to remind myself that he's a, he's a comic book adaptation director primarily, um, and in that I think he's very successful. I think my favorite thing out of the film was just how we got Cyborg, um, mm. and we just got to. I thought it was a, it was incredibly well acted, you know, for somebody that is pretty much like 85 percent cgi uh, i think yeah. that was like really well done um but also like on a personal like just like his arc was just really epic and to actually get to see it as well and understand it because i think there's a, quite a lot of the original where it's just like hang on, like what <laughs> where's that coming from like who's this like he doesn't have an origin film you know and actually we got to see a lot of the personal problems behind him mm -hmm. um you know, he's just a kid that lost his mother and his dad was already distant and then his dad saved his life. But to do it, essentially created him into this monster that he thinks he is. But actually, he's like insanely powerful. You know, he's yeah. pretty much powered. He's like part of Motherbox, isn't he? So 
he can just do everything he wants for the good and we see that and it's actually quite nice that you know in the four hour film there's space for that to happen um obviously notwithstanding you know the accusation you know the, the whole accusations in the trial of well, not the trial but the investigation into like why was he cut ma- like majorly out mm-hmm. of the first film and all that so it was nice it was very cathartic to see how actually you know <laughs> to use your line he got some justice um yeah yeah absolutely i, I think that's uh i think it's a great note to end on you know that we're, we're, we're seeing uh a work of art that you know fulfills a director's vision uh, and also like like you said um it's great justice for an actor you know this was his first major film role uh, and he said that you know he faced uh sort of racism and bullying on set which is it's unacceptable and um and then the reward for our patients is we get i think the best character arc in the movie um so yeah. Agree, yeah yeah so justice all around for Zack snyder and ray fisher there um it's been great to talk about justice Lee. i've been looking forward to this episode for a very very long time i think i'm going to watch the film again um yeah because i think it's got rewatchability but i might do it in in episodes this time but yeah anyway um please do sure you uh leave a like hit that notification bell and subscribe you can check us out on youtube and spotify and google Podcasts as well don't forget uh we'll be back next week with gladiator uh, and then also some very exciting news in the run-up to our april film festival where we're going to be celebrating the the academy awards uh so to stay tuned for that but As always, this has been Joe from the Show Weekly Podcast, Charlie and Ben. Nice to chat to you, and we'll catch you next week.